Hello and welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. I'm your host, Jonah Comstock. New technologies are affecting rapid change across the pharma industry, but no other aspect of the business is seeing innovation at the scale and speed of the clinical trial space, which is simultaneously embracing decentralization and the incredible potential of AI, all while reckoning with the space's historic lack of diversity and representation. In today's podcast brought to you by Cineos Health, I'll be speaking with Baba Shetty, president of technology and data solutions at Cineos Health, about how he and his team are leveraging the power of data and artificial intelligence to address these pressing inequities. Welcome to the show, Baba. Jonah, it's great to be with you. So to start out, just tell me a little bit about yourself and about your expertise and your journey to Cineos. Absolutely. Um, I've worked across several industries, but my career focus has always been on innovation and, and product development. Um, on the technology side of things, I spent time at uh, Forrester Research in Cambridge, which is one of the world's leading technology advisory firms. And that experience was pretty instrumental in my career. I spent a lot of time analyzing technology adoption and the impact uh, of technology on value creation for companies. Um, I came to Cineos Health about six years ago. I came in through a former boss who was, who was already here and thought that... Uh, uh, apparently, he thought he could use my help on addressing some technology and data issues at the company. And um, fast forward to today, and as you said, I lead a group called Technology and Data Solutions, uh, which is a team that is complementary to our IT organization. It's a bit more focused on technology's impact with, um, with our customers. My team is largely comprised of startup talent via the technology companies that we've acquired, uh, including StudyKick. Um, RX Data Science, and the teams we've incubated internally, such as um, Kinetic, which offers omni-channel solutions. So we're here to talk today a little bit about AI. And I know that that's a term that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So just to set the, you know, set the stage a little bit, how do you define AI? How do you think about AI? And um, you know, how, how does that include some of the new technologies like large language models and, and generative AI? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I, I think I'm going to give you a slightly different answer today than I might have a year ago, uh, given what you just said about uh, large language models and generative AI. But fundamentally, I think that the core of AI is around the concept of prediction. And I think when you're trying to find business value, and certainly for, you know, for things like clinical trials, which we spend a ton of time thinking about, Prediction is, is at the heart of every decision that we make, right? We, we make decisions because we believe that a better outcome is going to come as a result of that particular decision, which is, you know, in effect a prediction. So, so I would say AI is a, is a prediction technology. And at this point, there are, I think, fundamentally two types of AI. That they, both, they both share that concept of prediction, but I would say type one AI is kind of at this point what you would call classic AI, which is, you know, based on the concept of structured data, largely quantitative in nature, analyzed at scales, looking for patterns, and then ultimately resulting in predictive algorithms that can be uh, deployed in the business. And I think organizations have spent the last, you know, 10 or 15 years getting increasingly better at kind of classic, classic AI. I think the path is pretty well understood, though, though it's challenging. There's always challenges, but the technology is reasonably mature. 
you know, the vendor ecosystem is well understood. And I think the target of a well-functioning kind of classic AI program is scale. And I think this is what you what you hear when you hear people talking about an AI factory. They're kind of talking about classic AI, machine learning at scale, large data sets, um, predictive model development at scale. The second type is, Jonah, exactly what you just said, the emergence of, of large language models, transformer models, generative AI. It's a very different type of technology. It's at a very different level of maturity. Um, it requires different talent, different skill sets and approaches to manage effectively. Um, but we've already seen kind of a, a, a stunning applicability of, of generative AI, large language models in, in healthcare broadly and clinical trials specifically. But, you know, I think to your question about like, you know, what is AI? What's the definition of AI? I think at this point, as we're talking, you know, in late 2023, I think AI is the ability to kind of holistically manage both types of, of AI, classic and and uh, large language model based. You know, one is more about quantitative data. One is more about kind of text based reasoning. But together, they kind of solve the, the thorny issues that, you know, we're all trying to trying to solve for, you know, increasing the helping to increase the speed with which we can conduct a clinical trial, increasing the quality of that trial, increasing, you know, outcomes for patients, for science, for the sponsors. So that, that's kind of how I, I think about AI at this point. So let's talk about that. How is AI, as you described it, sort of both the classical version and this sort of newfangled version, uh, transforming the landscape of clinical trials? What are some of the benefits that it's bringing along? Yeah, I, I think in in this question, what really makes a lot of sense is to go back to the idea of, you know, decisions. Like th there are so many decisions involved in a clinical trial. And, you know, one way to think about it is there are kind of the strategy level decisions that many of which are made at the beginning of a, of a trial, you know, and, you know, they, they could be kind of decisions about about trial design, about protocol development, about how you're going to analyze and interpret data, how you're going to monitor and do safety. You know, there's, there's all kinds of, of, of decisions that get made kind of at the strategy level. And then there's kind of another level, which is kind of the day-to-day -day decision making that happens as you are conducting the clinical trial. And that might be, you know, down to kind of the individual level of CRAs or uh, project managers kind of making decisions at individual sites around individual situations. And for both of those types of decisions, there's just enormous ability to kind of say, what, what could an AI-driven prediction offer to help you make a more optimal decision in that particular place? And um, just taking one, one concept that, that we've, we've had a lot of um, early success around is uh, the clinical trial protocol. And just thinking about the work that is necessary to, to um, get done around the protocol. It could be, you know, as, as you're contemplating working on a new clinical trial, what are the previous trials that are most similar to this new one so we can benefit from the historical learning of those previous trials? Well, just that one question, that one decision, finding the, the, uh, <laughs> the similar trials that have previously been conducted, I, I mean, you might have to kind of think about a universe of of hundreds of thousands or or at the minimum, you know, 
thousands of previous trials and say, well, which ones are most similar to this one that I'm considering? And in the past, well, <laughs> the very recent past, that was a largely human, human-driven exercise that uh, required, you know, a, a, a trained scientific clinical expert to kind of say, okay, here are the here are the characteristics of the new trial. What previous trials have those same characteristics? And it could take, you know, it could take between four and 15 hours to try to find the similar trials out of the kind of library of previous trials that have been conducted. Well, AI systems can kind of take that same task and say, you know, in minutes, here are the 20 trials that we think are most comparable to your current trial. Here's why. Here's the reasoning, uh, reasoning in air quotes. But here's the here are the reasons that, that the system believes that the past trial is, is comparable. And you as the clinical and scientific expert can either agree or uh, or not with the kind of machine generated output. I mean, that is just like one task out of thousands of tasks that um, that happen in a clinical trial. And I think, you know, there are so many opportunities to kind of say, where can artificial intelligence assist an expert human being in making a better decision? And so I I just think I'm incredibly optimistic about the um, about the impact that AI can have in clinical trials. You know, it's a, as we all know, it's an incredibly operationally complex undertaking with enormous levels of, you know, manual human work. And uh, so there's, there's fantastic opportunities for, for improvement in the process. So you you talked about this a little bit, but, but let's just uh, hit it a, a little more specifically, this, this question of sort of how do you make sure that technology, uh, it's, it's not sort of being used for its own sake, it's not existing in a vacuum, and it's, it, you're getting kind of the best of the human element along with the, what the technology is, is best at? Yeah, I, I think we're at an era where the, the types of AI systems that we're, we're most focused on are kind of assistive. And I, I would make the contrast between assistive and autonomous. And and actually, you can you can make the uh, you you can do the analogy to self driving cars. Um, think about how long we've been promised, you know, safe self driving cars. And and though the technology has has been incredibly impressive, there's there's lingering questions about about safety and practice and some uh, unanticipated errors and. You know, you th- you think about the fully autonomous versus kind of the partially autonomous kinds of technologies that are in cars that just kind of say, "Hey, I'm going to start beeping at you because you know you're you're getting awfully close to the car in front of you, or you may not want to make that lane change uh, right now." And I think you know, assistive kinds of technologies are really where we are right now for the for the focus for certainly the work that we're doing in in supporting clinical trials. You know. We are talking about first drafts of outputs. We are talking about guidance for human experts. We're talking about a talent population that may benefit from the AI systems and therefore work more as an editor rather than an author of, of, of something specifically. But, but they're largely assistive systems. And I think 
you know, there, there's a lot of kind of parallel thinking in in uh, AI for clinical practice. You know, actually, you know, AI systems that help physicians as they are seeing patients. You know, this idea of assistive AI is quite readily available, kind of, or you know, you can kind of understand how a clinician could say, "Hey, this AI system is." helping with the diagnosis, but the ultimate decision-making is still in the hands of the physician. I think that's a much more achievable path than the kind of autonomous AI solutions. But at another level, Jonah, you know, the, the question we ask, I think there's a there's enormous possibility that AI can actually help bring humanity back to medicine. And, and uh, you know, broadly speaking, I mean, I, I think about, um, I, I was recently at the Oracle Health Conference. We are partners with Oracle through the Oracle Cerner EHR, Oracle acquired Cerner uh, last year. And they're doing some very interesting things with EHR. But, you know, I, I think there's a great example of kind of AI helping to bring humanity back to medicine in that Oracle demoed on stage a way that the EHR can kind of fade into the background of a of a physician patient interaction. So instead of a, a physician kind of hunched over a keyboard typing in, you know, data fields to represent a patient appointment, it is instead a physician having a real conversation with the patient, making eye contact, being especially attentive to the patient's needs. And then the EHR through the assistive AI in it neatly summarizes the patient's diagnoses, concerns, questions, captures the next actions for the physician, and then documents everything in the EHR um, without additional steps. Um, That's kind of one example. I think it's a great one, but there's so many more about kind of, can we actually you know, reduce the administrative burden of, of, of medicine and healthcare and let human beings do what human beings do best. So I, I think, again, I certainly don't want to come off as naively optimistic because I know we've stubbed our toe in the past on, on, on waves of technology um, innovation. But, but I do feel like we're entering an era of like enormous upside and potential with AI working kind of in concert with human beings, not instead of human beings. So how does all of this intersect with all of the work that's being done to try to make clinical trials more diverse, uh, find better community sites, uh, improve the sort of diversity quality of the populations? And and what's Sinius working on in that realm? Yeah, it's a it's a great it's a great question. It's a very um, it's been a very challenging area in in clinical trials you know i think we've been talking about the problem admiring the problem for a very long time but i do believe that ai can can help to address some of the the granular issues that we've had in in diversity and you know first of all i will say i'm going to talk a little bit about the technology and ai specifically but this is not a just a technology problem and i'm very fortunate at Cineos to have you know be working in a company that is taking clinical trial diversity very seriously and has a great group of leaders who are very focused on it full time. But how technology can help, I think, is, you know, to help address fundamentally, you know, some of the core questions about operating clinical trial and taking diversity into account from the beginning, from the start, not as a separate add-on 
But as you're doing kind of the predictive machine learning work that says, okay, which sites will be most beneficial for this trial? What's the patient prevalence um, or the disease prevalence of local patient populations adjacent to that particular site? All of those kinds of decisions at Cineos, we are incorporating diversity thinking from the start into kind of the outputs of those systems. So it's not just, again, hey, here's a, here's a list of sites and here's, um, here's a list of countries and here's, you know, some approaches to patient enrollment. Um, and then let's think about a diversity plan separately or after the fact. It is from the start, how can we incorporate diversity as, as yet another critical aspect of the trial that we are optimizing towards with all of the work that we're doing with models. I also think that the that uh, generative AI has enormous potential to help in this area. We're, we're already using it for creating evidence-based patient journeys, some of which are, are specific to underrepresented populations, which in turn help to create more effective patient communications materials and help engage, you know, what have been traditionally sometimes, you know, hard to reach groups. Um, so I, I think, you know, even more broadly in the, in the world of patient insights, there's, there's enormous disparate patient insights that can be synthesized and brought to bear for a specific trial. And that's another place where I think AI can can help the cause. So again, it's not it's not the be all end all answer to to say technology is going to solve for diversity in clinical trials, but I I think it can be an important part of the answer. Absolutely, yeah, and that's a a really good kind of balanced answer. Um, as we're kind of coming to the end, I like to end all, always with a variation on the same question. Um, for our listeners who are in the in the pharma uh, space and in, in various ways. Um, what are some of the lessons you've learned with your work uh, in technology and data and AI that might be applicable to others in the industry? Um, what's your kind of top pieces of advice to share? I, I think I would share a few a few things. And, and typically, I, I, I'll take the lens that I'm thinking through is we've all seen technology projects fail. And I think a, a big, you know, a really important set of considerations for any technology or innovation leader is how can I minimize the chance of failure and how can I maximize kind of the upside of whatever, whatever we're, we're taking on. And so I guess the principles that I would share, and there are just a few that I think um, probably the actual list is probably a lot longer, but, but I think appreciating the profound power of a narrow use case there are so many technology solutions that try to take on too much too quickly and kind of fail based on the weight of their ambitions. And I, I truly believe there's a lot of tremendously good thinking from the startup world and other places where a, a narrow use case is your friend. And um, you can always build, build upon that. But um, that I think that's an important one. I think building a culture of deeply understanding, respecting, and having empathy for your for your end users or anyone affected by the technology is is critical. I think every technology leader needs to find exceptional technical talent and then listen to them obsessively. They can tell you things that <laughs> your business colleagues just simply cannot. And um, and then the last thing I think is it's super important to think about bridge builders, you know, people who can connect 
technology with operations, uh, technology with the customer thinking, technology with financially oriented thinking. When I say bridge builders, I'm not just talking about within the technology group. I'm always seeking those um, those people who work in finance or business development or operations who, for whatever reason, have an aptitude for understanding the practical application of technology within their own area and are kind of drawn to it. And I think those, those bridge builders are enormously helpful in kind of, you know, connecting the dots between technology development and technology application. And um, so those, those are a few of the principles that I think about. So we have just a little bit of, uh, you know, a little more time left than we expected. So I, I thought I might throw you one more. Um, you talked at the beginning of the podcast about, you know, the, this new class of AI, you know, this, this coming through and, and has, has potential, um, you know, about generative AI, large language models. Can you speculate a little bit about what the, you know, further future of this space might look like as that technology develops and comes along? Yeah, I think, um, as I said, I think it's going to have profound impacts on on clinical development because it is an excellent technology for consuming vast amounts of pre-existing human knowledge. So, you know, some of the obvious contenders are, you know, just just the corpus of all medical knowledge that exists in the world. I, I have enormous empathy for any, you know, clinician, any physician on just how do you keep up with all of the, you know, all of the emerging medical knowledge and, you know, generative AI, large language model systems have the the potential benefit of essentially having, you know, the world's best medical expert working alongside you as you, um, you know, conduct some aspect of a trial. And you can kind of repeat that understanding, that kind of that kind of framework about a corpus of knowledge and then translating that into essentially a world class expert working alongside you could be an operational expert. It could be some other kind of expert and certainly a medical or scientific expert. But but again, enormous implications for how we kind of conduct um, a clinical trial. And again, you know, if you say. In total, a clinical trial might have two million total decisions that need to be um, made in that trial. I think so many of them are enhanced by an ability to reach into this vast library of pre-existing human knowledge and say, "Here's everything that our species has learned before that could be effective, could be helpful to you for this decision that you're about to make." Um, I think that is that is fundamentally game changing. So I, I think, you know, we're in for for a very exciting, you know, next chapter uh, with generative AI and clinical trials. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Baba, for joining us today, for telling us a little bit about some of the work you do and and giving us an interesting perspective on how this industry is changing. Yeah, thank you for the invitation, Jonah. And it was great to speak with you. That concludes this episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. You can find more information about this episode, including a download link and information about other installments in the series at pharmaforum.com podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podme. 
where you can find and subscribe by searching for PharmaForum. And don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins and to follow us on Twitter at at PharmaForum. Thanks for listening. <laughs>